We welcome you to the 2021 Eschatology Series, a series that unfolds the power of ancient prophecies. Our series is based on the book of Revelation. Let's get started. Welcome to IMTV with your host, Dr. Stephen Finney. Dr. Finney is the founder of IOM America, Identity Matters Worldview Institute, and the IM Online School. He is the author of several books that focus on Christ, culture, and creator, all centered on the believer's identity in Christ. We welcome you today to the Eschatology series, Unfolding the Power of Prophecy. Number 73, Victory in Revelation. Welcome to our final message. But wait, there's more. Immediately after this series, we begin our journey into the ancient mysteries of Old Testament prophecies. Starting with our mini-series, Hand Me My Sword. This is an in-depth study of the book of Nehemiah. I'll be talking about more of that later on in this podcast. But let's review our scripture for today. This is out of Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. It says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ, in the sight of God. May God bless his word today. Before we exit the book of Revelation, let's talk about, that's a wrap, Satan. What is the will of Satan? The enemy seeks to use three primary tools, the world, the flesh, and the demonic forces. The flesh tempts, the world offers illustrative examples of sin and how to practice it, and the demonic forces pull it all together for the simple purpose of a fall. He simply does not want you and I hearing the voice of the Heavenly Father. For he knows when we do hear God's voice, we are apt to submit to it. Satan knows this passage quite well. John 10:27, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. This is 
why he fills our heads with chaos and distractions. He doesn't care about what distracts us. He just wants us to hear his voice instead of the voice of God. That is the ugly part of submitting to the temptations offered to us by our flesh. Thus we are carrying out the will of Satan himself. Now, how ugly is that? In 2 Corinthians 2.11, the Lord tells us, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So let us not practice this arrogance that the Bible is talking about. While we understand, for the enemy, ignorance is the key. God wants us to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves in our worldview and understanding of the schemes of the devil. The day you asked Jesus into your life, you became what the Bible describes as a believer. The moment this happens, God placed the Holy Spirit into your mortal body. It is just like a mother giving birth to her child, flesh of flesh. This is the same way our spiritual rebirth takes place. Spirit gives birth to our newborn spirit. That, of course, is the Holy Spirit. As indwell Christians know, we become reborn, regenerated, filled with the Holy Spirit, and sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. At least that's what Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says. Now, to the point. Neither Satan nor his evil forces can enter our lives. Not for a moment. We are sealed and sealed with a promise. And be reminded, God never breaks a seal that he creates, which is a promise. Let's review the mind being transformed. A believer's soul, which is made up of mind, will, and emotions, is the process of being transformed on a day-to-day basis. Satan knows this. So he takes advantage of deceiving the mind and the emotions to have the will submitted temporarily to his slavery. Our responsibility is to grow in Christ by choosing the truth or the life of Christ who lives within us by allowing Christ's mind through our mind to make those choices we then can resist the devil for it is the perfect action of James chapter 4 verse 7 submit therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you If you and I believe a lie and take action upon that lie, we give Satan a foothold in that particular area of our lives. Picture a tabletop each time we submit to one of Satan's lies and then take action on that lie, the enemy places one more object on the tabletop. After a while, the tabletop becomes full of Satan's objects. If the believer continues a pattern of submitting to the enemy, we have a serious problem on our hands. 
The process that we have taken you through, through the study of the book of Revelation, is removing these objects one at a time. Now that your tabletop is cleared, you must keep it clean. Use the authority you have been given to keep the enemy away from your table. Believe me, he's coming back for another round, and he will continue to do so until you die. Think about someone who has junk laying around their house. How did a person get in the position of living in such conditions? Well, after the tabletop has too many items on the tabletop, human behavior predicts this. Leave it there. So the clutter builds up more and more each day until one time you invite a friend over and they look at your house and see a chaotic mess. They can call this all kinds of psychological ideations, but the fact is it all started with not keeping the table clean from the beginning. The thoughts and torment that your mind experiences every day is simply a result of leaving those things on the table. Each day that you get up and look at the clutter in your life, you are reminded of feelings of hopelessness. Whereas if you keep that tabletop clean, thoughts and torment that the enemy might throw at your mind will cease. The feelings that have overwhelmed you will be gone, and you will remain a healthy bond slave to Christ. You can read more about that in Colossians 4.12, but I can tell you this right now. People who live a clean life and keep all of their things clean, when they look at those clean things, it certainly affects their emotions. So walk in the light, my dear friend. There's a contrast and a constant victory available to us through the authority in Jesus Christ. Use it as often as needed. Stand in your new convictions and learn to lead others with this newfound freedom. You are a child of God who has been delivered from the domain of darkness or clutter and transferred into the kingdom of light, Christ's light, and that is a world and life of order. Let's take a look at the 12 proclamations. The only way to break the cycle of lies the enemy placed within our souls is to claim the truth. For example, number one, there is no marriage relationship that Christ the Father cannot heal. We're obviously referring to the bridal members of Christ who have suffered many problems because of cluttered thinking. God can and will heal those if you submit it to him. Number two, the primary purpose of our marriage to Christ is not to be happy, but to glorify the Father and reflect his redeeming love. God uses our weakness to conform us into the image of how he created us. That's number three. Number four, true love, God's love, and God is love, is perfected, unconditional, and never fails. Five, we cannot love Christ in our own strength. 
God must do the loving through us. Number six, our marriage with Christ is a covenant. God is a covenant-keeping Father. He will never break His covenant based on our fear of intimacy. However, as in all divorces, one member has to step up to do the filing. Christians are known for divorcing Christ. Today we call it forsaking the faith. Number seven, God will always forgive us without limits. Only humans put limitations on forgiveness. Humans base their level of forgiveness on their level of pain. Number eight, your faithfulness to the Father is the means of your spiritual healing. Healing requires faith, and faith demands action based on the faith of Christ. Number nine, you cannot solve marital problems by putting another pair of shoes under the bed. Thus, you cannot solve your spiritual problems by looking to other gods. The parallel is alarming, significant, and the parallel is the same as sticking a pair of shoes under your bed. Number ten, God's grace through your groom, my groom, Jesus Christ, is enough for you to complete the work he is doing in you. Number eleven, God the Father will never forsake you, regardless of what you must endure while you're still here on earth. Number twelve, the rewards for your faithfulness to Christ and God are not given here on earth. They arrive later when you pass on into eternity. Keep these points in mind. God's grace is sufficient, according to Second Corinthians twelve nine. The blood of Christ is sufficient. First John one seven. Sin shall not master you. Romans six fourteen. Your past does not have to haunt you. Read more about that First Corinthians chapter six. Verses nine through eleven. Our past, the ways we have been wronged, and the ways we have hurt others, these things do not have to be stumbling blocks for our growth as bridal members. In fact, by God's perfect grace, all these things can become building blocks to a greater victory and freedom. Our Heavenly Father enables us to keep all things within the worldview and the doctrines of His sovereign hand. He gives us the wisdom to know the battle we are in is not evidence of defeat, but one of victory. By accepting His battle plan, we embrace the purpose of His plan for our daily living. That's called sovereignty. He can give us a thankful heart as we battle in war. In fact, a war that's already been won. He allows these attacks to refine, deepen, mature, humble, and build our faith in walking after the Spirit and in the Spirit, which is Christ's life. We must ask for insight and understanding to know our victory, even before engaging in the frontline activities. Our mindset of battle determines on the outcome of each battle. 
If we go on to the battlefield with our mindset on the flesh, our strength will be immediately robbed. But if our mind is set on his strength, working through our weaknesses, we shall overpower the enemy's attack. Find more about that in Romans 8, verse 6. However, if we enter the battlefield with the reality that we are invincibly strong, we will be victorious. The reason why we are victorious is because of our perfect union and sanctification in Christ. Also keeping in play that through the person and work of the Holy Spirit, manifesting the victory within us, we continue to win the battles. That's all a result of putting on the full armor of God and functioning effectively through the Spirit with each one of those pieces. In doing this and keeping this, we will simply be applying God's victory in and through our lives on a daily basis, which puts Satan in the position of defeat. Before we quit, let's talk about four keys to unlocking our victory. Now the Lord gives us these four keys through Christ Jesus. So number one, we need to be believers that are functioning within the union with Christ. Two, we have to appropriate the fact that the Holy Spirit is living out this victory in and through us through our mortal bodies. Three, is that whole armor of God. We don't pick it up when we need it. We wear it, so we don't need it. Number four, the power of prayer that accomplishes the work must be the drawing of the sword before you step onto a battlefield. Now let's break down these keys just a little bit more. Key number one, we are designed and called to be strong and dependent in the Lord. Ephesians 6.10 Our strength and the assurance of our victory are based upon the believer is in the Lord. Attempting to be strong in our resources will cause us to end up temporarily defeated. Because our union with Christ, we have pre-established victory through the power of Christ and what he accomplished on the cross many years ago. God committed and promised that nothing could separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 38-39 confirms that. He also said that the battle that must be fought needs to be fought through the Lord's might, Ephesians 6.10. If we attempt to fight these fights through self-effort, yes, you will experience defeat. Many men lack courage. Just because they're manly doesn't mean that they're courageous. A warrior's strength must rest upon what truly makes him invincible. His perfect unity with the warrior, Jesus Christ himself. Because Christian men are in Christ, they are new warrior creatures. The old warrior, old nature, has passed away. And behold, a new warrior, Jesus Christ, has come. That's right out of 2 Corinthians 5.17. 
Our warfare is not with flesh and blood, but powers of darkness and principalities of the air. Jesus Christ warned us of this personally through Paul's writings, Ephesians 6.12. In fact, the whole chapter of 6 will give you a perfect picture of spiritual warfare. Now, as one might guess, only those who live in that realm can fight this war. We cannot fight the spiritual battle. We have to call upon someone, and that someone is Jesus Christ, who can see the spiritual world. Our part is deciding to walk in our union with Christ. His part is doing the warfare for you and through you. Key number two, the person of the Holy Spirit living within the mortal bodies is essential to understanding how Christ does the warfare. Once we receive Christ, according to Acts 1.8, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You need power in order to be engaged in warfare. So it's not our power. It is a special gift given to us by God through Christ, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of our actions for daily living are to be lived out through the empowerment of the life of Christ, who is represented by the Holy Spirit within us. The hope of glory. We have the power and life because he gave us this power and life through himself. Key number three, he has given us the whole armor of God, which becomes both our protection and the weapons of warfare. The commandment of God is to, quote, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That's Ephesians 6.11. This is a call to action on our part. That is why much of this study has been focused on the practical elements of putting on our armor. There is no way we can deal with any of the things mentioned in the book of Revelation without understanding indwelling life, the indwelling warrior, and how that is released to do spiritual warfare. Finally, key number four the power of prayer that accomplishes the work ties the package together. We need to be praying with petitions in the Spirit. With this in mind, we also need to be on guard and alert with all perseverance and petition for all fellow Christian brothers and sisters. Ephesians 6.18 It's not just about you getting some victory out of this deal, but it is getting victory for the full bridal member or the church of Jesus Christ. We also should be asking God to give us words to make known with boldness the mysteries of the gospel of grace. Instead, we are ambassadors proclaiming doctrines of God that are extremely offensive to the world that are not necessarily in tune with Christ wanting to speak through the believer from the inside out. In other words, using the word of God externally instead of internally. 
God not only has given us the privilege to pray, but the power to pray. When we boldly, with all confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, we will receive mercy and find grace to help those in times of need. Hebrews 4.16 Satan hates prayer because he knows it is through prayer that our armor is fully appropriated. So he'll do anything he can to stop you from praying. In conclusion, as you move forward in your daily living, keep in mind the four keys to spiritual success. Use them with the wisdom and insight of the Lord, and he will open doors to freedom in ways you never thought were possible. Always remember the Father will enable you to do everything he commands of you to do. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 You are responsible for choosing to release the mind of Christ in you. Clear back in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 18.19-22 confirms this. Also remember what you sow is what you will reap. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 The pathway to peace and joy is to let go of control. Peter knew that one personally, and God led him to write about it. Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 Control is the issue and deception that people adopt to think it is self-protection. In reality, you're exposing yourself to the enemy. In Ephesians 5.21, the Bible calls us to submit, therefore, to one another. We need to listen carefully to advice or encouragement that other bridal members are giving us. They need to listen carefully to encouragements, words of knowledge, or whatever God has given us to give to them. And finally, we need to lock in that all authority that exists, exists by God. He who opposes these authorities, opposes God. Keeping authority in place, position, equals either victory or defeat. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers of authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. The authority that exists here on this earth today, bad or good, is in God's hands. The Father's eternal purpose is far more important than him fulfilling our personal vision for life. Once you and I agree and accept why we're here, we can fulfill our wifely duties as selected bridal members. Until then, many of us call out for help, trying to change God's sovereign plan to match our fearful ideologies. So our prayer life tends to be exalting self versus glorifying God. You may have been an adulterer, a murderer, an alcoholic, a drug addict, abandoned as a child, sexually abused, or been an abuser yourself. However, if you are an indwelt Christian, 
You are no longer what you once were. Instead, you are a new bridal member of the groom. You have a new identity. You have a new husband. You have a new father. And the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you for one simple purpose. To have relationship with the groom. Set apart for his holiness. And declared righteous in the eyes of the Father. In closing, I encourage you to read the book of Revelation once a year for the rest of your life. You might be surprised as to how your worldview might just change to match Revelation's book. As promised throughout our series, we've been talking about turning the video teachings into a commentary. We're about 90% done with that. We're hoping by December of 2021, we will be releasing the first volume of that set. Best thing to do is to keep up with the updates of that process by logging on to IOMAmerica.net. We have other resources there as well, but if you're interested in this commentary, we are hoping, God willing, it's coming soon. Coming up next, I'm going to leave it to our little promotion video to tell you the details of our first mini-series within the Mysteries of Ancient Prophecies. It's called Hand Me My Sword, a full-on study of the book of Nehemiah. Check this out.